kids have gone? No, children can go out. And, um, and I just want to quickly just summarize from last week because some of you haven't been here. And um, some, some of us, others who have been, might need a reminder of what I was talking about last week. But what I was bringing was that there is a difference and often a conflict or maybe even a confrontation um, that comes when we live our lives bound by rules and regulations by the law and doing things because we feel we have to, which is religion, and, the, and living in the realm of God's grace and love, the kingdom within, knowing that we'll never be good enough, but God loves us anyway. Okay? So from a very young age, we learn how to behave and act in order to get what we want and we get what we need. We learn that very easy. We can, you know, little children, they, you know, some of them throw tantrums, some of them nag, you know. I've, I've seen all of it, you know. And kids will try from a very young age trying to get what they want and what they need. And, you know, like, like the Pharisees in Jesus' day, we sometimes, in order for us to get what we want and what we need, we put on a, a mask. We behave a certain way and we act a certain way. Um, that is not really who we are. We're pretending to be someone that we're really not. And sometimes, you know, even coming to church, we, we put on this smile and, and, and we pretend we have it all together. I hope none of us do that here. Because when I ask you, how are you? I don't want to just hear I'm doing okay when you're not. Okay, I want us to be honest. I want us to be vulnerable and open here. And I'll talk a little bit more um, a little later. But by doing this, we often lose our sense of our true self. And ultimately, we're not really free. When we're walking around with masks, pretending, you know, acting a certain way, you know, like the Pharisees did, okay, that is not freedom. Freedom in the spirit is that we can be who God has made us to be with all our imperfections, with all of our weaknesses, you know, with all of our shortcomings. And never, and we're never to come under this whole expectation of trying, you know, trying to please God in a, in a certain way. God's already pleased. Can I say that to you? God's already pleased with you. You are already His delight. You know, He, the Word of God says He rejoices over you with singing. You know, his mercies are new every morning. Gets mercies, undeserved forgiveness, grace, undeserved favor. It's all ours, 24-7, every moment of our day. It's available to us. So we don't have to act at all and doing good works and doing good deeds and trying to earn his love, trying to earn his affirmation, trying to earn his acceptance. You are already loved and accepted by God. Okay. So our, our, true, our true self can only be established when we acknowledge that we are weak, we are imperfect. And, what we, and, how, and the way that we change comes through transformation. It's transformational truth. I said that last week. You know, um, we don't just add the Word of God and what the Bible says to our everyday living. So, you know, we live whatever we want to do. We live in the flesh, we live in the world, and then just add Jesus a little bit onto it. No, we don't do that. And we don't live legalistically by the laws and the rules and regulations. And I'm so glad about what, what Brad shared about giving. You know, it's not law. Giving comes from a generous heart. It's a cheerful heart that gives unto God. And so we live our lives unto God the same way. But transformation can only come by revelation. 
when you have revelation in your heart about a certain word, about a certain scripture, that will set you free to live by it. Um, I'm a very strong and firm believer that I cannot change anyone's behavior. You know what? I have tried that in the past. Malcolm and I, we ran a discipleship program many, many years ago. Um, we started probably 14 years ago, and we had eight years of having people live with us and putting them in a program. And, you know, back then we didn't know any better. Um, and we tried to change people's behavior. We tried to change, you know, that they don't smoke, they don't do drugs, they don't drink, and you know, and they don't sleep around and stuff like that. And we've tried to do that by telling them, even telling them what the Word of God says. But you cannot change anybody. Someone can only change when they have the revelation that they have to change and that they need to change. And that only comes by unconditional love and acceptance. So we now love and accept anybody in whichever shape, form, and size and with whatever hiccups and dysfunctions they come. We love everyone and accept everyone. And we trust God that by us presenting truth, by us ministering to them, that the truth and the, and the word of God will transform them because they get the revelation that they are so much better off being free from, from all of their dysfunction and all of their pain and all of their grief. Okay. So God changes us from the inside out. And it's a journey. Can I tell you a secret? I'm still on a journey. We all are on a journey. None of us have arrived yet. It's an ongoing process. And you know what? It is very, very personal. I am not to judge your journey. You are not to judge my journey. Our journey is between God, Holy Spirit, and us. Our changing, our transforming, our journey, our process is between Holy Spirit and us. I actually saw a, um, I actually saw a, uh, must have been on Facebook, some saying that said, um, don't judge me for my sin just because you sin in a different way. That's good, isn't it? We don't judge each other's sin just, be, you know, because we all, we all have shortcomings, we all sin. But we are not to judge just because we sin differently. Okay. God is more interested in our inner life, what's going on inside of us, than what we do. Our works. Our good deeds. Because what's on the inside will eventually come, come out. So our hearts were never created to hold bitterness and anger and resentment and pain, and grief. Our hearts, God did not create our hearts to hold all of that. But those things, they can take root in our hearts if we don't tend to our hearts. And when they take root, then eventually the fruit will come out. You know, that's why you have people with, you know, with increased violence. You know, we have increased anger on the roads and all that sort of stuff. It's because what's in people's hearts. We have a very angry world. We have a very violent world because that's another, actually it's another message, but it's because they don't know the love of the Father. Okay, so our hearts, God created our hearts to hold his goodness, to hold his love. Our hearts are created for hope 
and joy and peace and courage and strength. That's what God created our hearts to be. And so we have to tend to our hearts. Let's turn to um, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, 1 to 11, tells us of the experience that Jesus had in the wilderness when Satan came and tempted him. Three times the enemy came and tempted Jesus in three different areas of core beliefs. They're actually core beliefs in regards to human needs. Inner needs, human inner beliefs that tested Jesus as a man, whether he would trust his heavenly father or do something about having those needs met himself. So the enemy came and tempted Jesus. And we all know that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit after his baptism. At his baptisms, heavens opened and the father was saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then straight after the baptism, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. See, and those three areas of core beliefs and human needs, the first one was security, the second one was esteem or significance, and the third one was about power or control. Okay, if we give in to the temptation to find these anywhere but God, they will lead us to living forever under constraints and limitations, going back into dead works, trying to be someone that we're not trying to make it happen for ourselves and religious belief systems rather than living in the realm of the kingdom of God. So let's read it together. Num- verse 1. Afterwards, that is after the baptism, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely wilderness in order to reveal his strength against the accuser by going through the ordeal of testing. And after fasting for 40 days, and that is another whole message I'm going to preach one day, And after fasting for 40 days, Jesus was extremely weak and famished. Then the tempter came to entice him to provide food by doing a miracle. So he said to Jesus, how can you possibly be the son of God and go hungry? Just order these stones to be turned into loaves of bread. And Jesus answered, the scriptures say, bread alone will not satisfy, but true life is found in every word that constantly comes from God's mouth. And the accuser transported Jesus to the holy city of Jerusalem and perched him at the highest point of the temple and said to him, If you are really God's son, jump, and the angel will catch you. For it is written in the scriptures, he will command his angels to protect you, and they will lift you up, so that you won't even bruise your foot on a rock. And once again Jesus said to him, The scriptures say, You must never put the Lord your God to a test. And the third time the accuser lifted Jesus up into a very high mountain range and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all the splendor that goes with it. All these kingdoms I will give to you, the accuser said, if only you will kneel down before me and worship me. But Jesus said, go away, enemy, for the scriptures say, kneel before the Lord your God and worship only him. At once the accuser left him and the angels suddenly gathered around Jesus to minister to his needs. As I said, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Why do you think that was? I think there are several reasons that that Holy Spirit led Jesus. First, so that he could identify with us. Because even though he was God, he came as a man. And yes, he did miracles, and yes, he did signs and wonders, and he healed and delivered people. 
but he did it as a man, empowered by the Father, empowered by God. Same as us. We do signs and wonders. We can do miracles. We can pray for healing. It's not us, but it's the same spirit that was in Jesus that is in us. And that's why we can do it. So Jesus did it as a man to, to um, identify with our imperfect humanness and empower us to overcome temptation of the enemy of our soul. Because can I say to you, if Jesus was tempted like that, so will we. We will be tempted in every area that Jesus was tempted in. And he can identify with our temptations because he knows what it's like. So he will help us and empower us to overcome. The second thing why Holy Spirit led Jesus into, into the wilderness to be tempted is to revealing his humanity even though he was the son of God, as I said already. He had human needs just like we have. And in Philippians 2, 6 to 8, I won't go there right now, but it says that um, even though Jesus was God, he made himself nothing and taking on the nature of men. Jesus knew who he was, but he didn't have to advertise his ministry. He didn't walk around with a business card saying, Jesus Christ, Messiah, the healer, the deliverer, the son of God. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to send out emails saying, I'm available for ministry. I, you know, I'm free such and such time for preaching engagements. He didn't have to do that because he knew he was and he was very secure in his identity. Okay. He knew who he was, but guess what? He came to serve. Jesus came as a servant of God. He came to serve, to save and to seek those which were lost. So I want us to have a look at all those three temptations, just one by one. And those temptations, as I said before, they are basic human needs that we all have. Temptation number one, turning bread, turning stones into bread. Bread, food, is one of our basic needs and necessities in order to survive. It speaks of security. It speaks of um, safety. Physically and psychologically, for most of us, security is a core need. And if we don't get our security from trusting in God, okay, we are tempted to get it through our false sense of ourselves. We're trying to make things happen. Okay, We're going to go back into behaving and acting a proper way so that we can feel secure, we can feel safe. You know, we can, you know, I mean, uh, young people. You know, when you are in a group of, when you are in a group of young people, you know, everybody wants to feel accepted. Everybody wants to feel loved. Everybody wants to feel secure in that group. And, you know, when you, when we don't have that security, we feel like a fish out of water. You know, we can very quickly go into rejection. We very quickly can go into this false sense of, you know, we have to, we have to, um, take care of ourselves in order to feel safe and secure. You know, the other thing about turning stones into bread was all about provision as well. You know, provision is also part of the security. Everybody, everybody wants to know that there is enough. Everybody wants to know that there is enough food for me. There is enough um, money coming in for me to pay the bills. There is enough provision every day. I want to say to you, we don't ever, ever have to worry about provision. Never, ever whether we have little or whether we have a lot, we never have to worry about provision because Matthew 6 talks about, Jesus talks about don't worry about what to eat, drink, and what to wear because if he can look after the birds, then I'm sure he can look after us. 
Okay, so go to the birds. You know, go to the birds. Look, look at them because they don't worry about a thing. They don't worry about where the next worm comes from. Okay, and you don't have to worry about where your next provision comes. You can be very secure and safe in your father's love that as a son and daughter, the father will provide everything that you need. And if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will also give us the desires of our hearts. He will give you. I mean, I was so blessed this week. It was my birthday. And... um. And I just share this with you because, because it made such a difference to me this week. The weeks didn't start off too good. I was pretty much um, a little bit down in the dumps on Monday. But on, on Wednesday, I drove out the gate. And as I walked up to the gate, I just said to the Lord, Lord, what kind of a day are you going to give me today? What sort of a day am I going to have today? And he said, honey, it's your birthday and it'll be full of surprises. And it sure was. My whole day was full of surprises. You know, I got prayed for. I got prophetic words. I, You know, God just lavished on me. Not because I deserve it. Well, it was my birthday, so maybe I did deserve it. But, um, but because he's a good father. And he just wanted to bless me on that day, you know. And, um, and so we don't ever have to, we don't ever have to worry about feeling insecure when we find ourselves with God. If you struggle with, with um, not feeling safe, not feeling secure, I want to encourage you, read Psalm 91. Psalm 91. When you, lay, when you lay hold of that, when you get that into your spirit, you'll never ever feel unsafe or insecure because you will find yourself in God with his presence wrapped around you every day. So we must choose that living with God is the safest way to live. Temptation number two, human need number two. We all have a need to be esteemed, to be affirmed, to be significant, to be accepted. It's a basic human need. Everybody needs it. And the temptation for Jesus was to throw himself down from the top of the temple and to let the angels catch him. This need for him was the enemy wanted him to show off to everybody around him that he was significant. And he asked him to do something spectacular. Okay. And Jesus knew exactly what the enemy was after. Because Jesus didn't need to be spectacular. He knew who he was. He didn't need the applause and the admiration of people. Even the Pharisees, even from the Pharisees and the religious leaders, he was never threatened by them. Even though they continually harassed him, they continually, um, you know, ended into conflict and confrontation and, and trying to test him, but he did never ever have to show off who he was. Everything Jesus did, he did naturally out of a sense of knowing who, who the Father said he was and he was living in that identity. So many of us have this deep need for esteem and the approval of others. You know, I used to. I used to seek the approval of others, you know, and it got me into real trouble because guess what I became? I became a man pleaser. Because when you seek the approval of man, then you all of a sudden you will do whatever they want you to do. You know, and you you know, and sometimes you even come crawling or whatever, you know, whatever it is that we do to get the approval of others, but we don't have to because the Father has already approved of us. And all we have to do is please the Father. We have to please God above pleasing men. 
And um, so we live, we, we live by, by living, we're living in faith because faith pleases God. Okay, we don't, we don't live to seek the approval and the, and the esteem of others. And the other thing is you are already significant. You are already approved and significant and you are already wired for doing spectacular things. We just need to tap into the spirit. Every day, we need to ask God, what do you want us to do today? You know, what are we doing today? You know, what, what sort of a day are we going to have today? And make yourself available for God to use you. And he'll show you off. He definitely will show you off. Okay. Jesus did not give into this shortcut of winning people's approval. He won the hearts of those around him by being real, by being authentic, by having integrity, by walking with the Father every day, and so do we. It is far more important that I am, that I have integrity, that I have humility, that I have kindness, that I have the fruits of the Spirit than trying to win the approval of someone else. So we don't have to show off. Okay. Temptation and human need number three is the drive. And it is a drive for power and control. The enemy tried to tempt Jesus with giving him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor in exchange of Jesus worshipping him. Well, I think he picked the wrong guy. Because we never ever, we're never ever to get let power and control and manipulation and intimidation get into our heads in order for us to gain the upper hand. You know the Australian um, tall poppy syndrome? You know, it's all about that. You know, whoever is successful, cut them down. You know, whoever is, you know, whoever is doing anything, um, cut them down. And that is, not, that is not the way that God wants us to live. Power and control Manipulation and intimidation for in exchange for our true spiritual authority is limiting ourselves to what God has for us. You know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is already in us. We already have all the power that we can have inside of us. Most of us just haven't really tapped into that yet. Okay, so this temptation for Jesus was another shortcut to the kingdom by gaining power. And it was a trap because Jesus, Jesus was not going to give up and abdicate his true spiritual authority for something that, you know, was way below what, what he already had. Okay, Jesus had a choice and so do we. Are we giving into the temptation of coercing, manipulating? You know, I mean, this whole, this whole bullying thing that's happening in our schools and, you know, and workplaces. You know, one of the worst workplaces where bullying happens actually amongst nurses. There's lots of bullying happening in hospitals amongst nurses. And it's all, it's all about, it's a power game. It's all about power. It's all about control. You know, who can control others? Who can exert power above somebody else? And so, um, we have to choose to live in who we already are because we already have been given authority. Jesus said, I've given you authority. We already have authority. We already have power. But it's a power not to 
lorded over people like the Pharisees did, because that's what they did. They lorded things over people and commanded them and, and asked them to live by standards that they've set, that God never set. And so we never to do that. Jesus came, as I said, to serve and to save and to seek those which are lost. And we need to do exactly the same. Jesus choose the way of serving and he choose the way of true humility. And I want to finish with that. I want us to go to Philippians 2 and I want us to read the first five verses because I believe for us to live overcoming our need for security, our need for esteem, for our need for power and control because they are human needs, but they can, they are also the areas where the enemy will come and tempt us. We need to live every day in the way of true humility. And this is how we do it. This is what Paul says. He says, look at how much strength and encouragement you found in your relationship with Jesus, your anointed Messiah. You are filled to overflowing with his comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender care and mercy. So, so I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in total unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with abounded joy. Be free from controversial or pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to your friends instead of your own interests. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. True humility is seeing ourselves for who we really are, but finding ourselves, finding our security, finding our esteem, finding everything we need in Jesus. So we can accept ourselves with our, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We can accept ourselves with our shortcomings, you know, with our weaknesses, but knowing that because of Jesus, we are accepted anyway. You know, it is... It's usually much easier to find faults in others. And the gift of discernment is not fault-finding. The gift of discernment is not fault-finding. We can all, if you hang around me long enough, you'll find faults in me. You know, and that's okay. I, it, it doesn't particularly bother me if you, if you see faults in me or not. Because as I said before, we're all on a journey. We're all in the process of being transformed and made more like Jesus. And this is what this message is all about. It's about us getting our freedom, being free to be just like Jesus, to walk in, in humility, to walk in the power of the authority that God has given us. You know, pride will cause us to hide. Pride will often cause us to hide behind our mask, you know, like the Pharisees did, you know, pretending everything was good. You know, they walked around with their heads held high, you know, all puffed up. And Jesus rebuked them because of the outward appearance didn't match what's, what's, what was inside of them. I want Jesus to find what's inside of me to be better than what's on the outside. Because the inner kingdom 
and what's going on inside matters to God much, much more. True, true humility is not only accepting our weaknesses, but also not hiding our gifts and strengths. You know, if you, if you're forever beating yourself up and you think that's true humility and you never ever, you know, find, you know, being able to tell people what your strengths are and your giftings are, that's false humility. Because true humility is also knowing the gift that's inside of you, the strength that you have, and for God to use them for His glory. Not so that you get puffed up and, and, you know, you make yourself seen and how good am I? No, it's the strength and the giftings that God has given us, the callings, the purpose, being used by God in His kingdom is for His glory. But it's good for us to know what our strengths are, what our giftings are. And so, true humility is a willingness to be seen for who I am and to choose to see others for who they are. And we do this by honoring one another, by loving one another, by accepting one another, respecting one another. That's how we truly um, show humility and, um, and walk in humility and walking in, in honor. So we are the body of Christ. And as David preached a few weeks ago, we all have our part to play. And in our community here, I, my heart is, and I know Malcolm's and the leadership's heart is, that we all find our gifting. We all find our place. We all find the area where God wants to use us so that we as a whole can work together really, really well. Not just on a Sunday, but wherever we are. And particularly, you know, as Brad was saying before, we, we want to reach this city for Jesus. We want to make, we want to make a difference in this city for Jesus. Not just us, but there's a whole group of ministries and churches, you know, and there's more and more coming together all the time in the kingdom of God to transform and to change the city. But we all need to, we all need to find out what are our giftings? Where do I fit? And, um, and we need to do this by, by honoring and respecting and loving one another and accepting one another. Living in the kingdom right here, right now is living in the, tr- living the truth in love. You know, we constantly engage in that process of transformation. And it's not easy to be vulnerable. You know, we all have, we all have at times we have our walls up because we've been hurt. Anyone in here has never been hurt by anyone else? I don't think so, because we've all, we've all been hurt by someone at some stage. And what we do is we build these walls up around our hearts because we don't want to get hurt again because it's painful. But we need to be vulnerable. True humility is being vulnerable and to be open and honest and to be real with one another because that's what the world needs to see. The world will see right through all the hypocrisy. They see right through all the fakeness. They see they see through all the mask and everything. What the world needs, the world needs a church that is real and authentic, that gets out there, and ministers in the love and the acceptance and the honor of, honor of God. The reason we're all called bigots at the moment and haters in the media is because the church has misrepresented the kingdom of God and God for a long, long time. God doesn't hate anyone and nor should we. God accepts everyone because he gave Jesus because he so loved the world. Okay. 
And so Christians who are real are very attractive because Jesus was attractive to the sinners. He was very attractive to the sinners. He had them following, following him wherever he went. And I believe that's who we are meant to be. We are meant to be attractive to the world so that when, when people see us, they see Jesus. And they are attracted to his kingdom. So if you relate with any, any of what I said today, if you struggle with trusting God for security and safety and provision, if you struggle with um, approval and esteem, if you struggle with power and control and, and, and stuff like that, I want to encourage you today, you know, don't beat yourself up. That's the worst thing that you can do. You know, but when we acknowledge those areas where we still need a little bit of work done at, when we acknowledge that before God and allow the Holy Spirit then to come and do His work, He will change us. He will transform us. And as I said, it's from the inside out. It's from the inside out. And, um, and I believe the Lord wants, wants us to walk in true humility with one another. I want this Philippians 2, first five verses, I want that to be, I suppose, one of the things that we uphold in this community. That we would look out for one another, that we would, that we would think of others more highly than, than of ourselves. That we would minister to one another, love one another, and, um, and walk in true humility and honor and respect and acceptance with one another. So why don't we just pray? If you want to just, um, if you want to put your hand over your heart and just ask God to do work, I want to encourage you to do that. Any area whatsoever where you believe God wants to, maybe He needs to remove some pain, some hurt. Maybe He need, maybe you need to forgive someone that has hurt you, and you've put walls up around your heart, and you said, "I'm never going to get hurt again. I'm not going to let anyone close again." Because I don't want to get hurt again. You know, if you, if you have pride in your heart, give it to God. He knows it's there anyway. But if you admit that you've got pride in your heart and you want to, you want to walk in true humility, God will show you how to do that. He will give you ample opportunity to do that. So Father, I just thank you, Lord God. I just thank you, Lord, that, um, your spirit, your spirit of truth, and your spirit of life, Lord, will release, Lord, your power into those areas that where we need you to, to work at, where we need you to transform us, where we need truth in our innermost being so that the truth will set us free. Father, I pray, Lord God, that in our minds, Lord God, in our belief systems, Lord God, in our attitudes, Lord, in our hearts, Lord God, Lord, that you would bring, Lord God, your kingdom. You will bring your kingdom, Lord, with power, with authority, that we, Lord God, can overcome all the power of the enemy, that we can resist the temptation of making ourselves look better than what we really are. Lord, putting on masks, pretending to be, to be something or, or to, to be someone that we're really not, Lord God. Help us never to be like the Pharisees, Lord God, to lord things over others, Lord God, to come in judgment, Lord God. Lord, to come in pride, but Lord, help us to walk in true humility. Help us to walk in authenticity. Lord, to be real in this world, Lord God. Lord, none of us have got it all together. 
Lord, but we're all on a journey. And so, Father, I just pray that we even would have each other's back, that we would encourage one another and bring the best out of one another, Lord God, in this community. And Jesus, I pray that you would come, Lord God, and just continue to reveal yourself to us, that we truly would walk in a greater freedom to be like you, Jesus. Lord, that the world would be attracted. Lord, the world, Lord, would be attracted to the Jesus and his kingdom, Lord God, that is inside each and every one of us. Lord, let your light shine. Lord, let your light shine. Let your light come more and more, Lord God, as we, as we embrace, Lord God, all that you have for us. And Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord God, and honor you for what you're doing here in this place. Lord, I thank you that there is a spirit of unity. There is a spirit of, of love already, Lord God, in this place. But I pray that you would increase that, Lord. Lord, that you would increase, Lord God, this, this community, Lord God, so that we can make a difference for your kingdom and that you would be glorified, Jesus, in everything we do, in everything we say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. I just, if any one of you wants prayer in any particular area, um, there's always, there's always room for that here at the altar. If you would just want to come and just kneel before Jesus or just lay some stuff down, you're most welcome to do that. You can also grab the person next to you because we all got the same Jesus inside of us and you can get someone else to pray with you and for you. Okay, so, um, be blessed, have an awesome week, and, um, we have.